an episode of G.I. Joburg with your host, Steve. And we got all the South Africans in the house today. One of them is Robert. Hey! Hey. Another one of them is... Oh. This is where you talk, Al. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm trying to get Cape Town down before I get Joburg down, yeah, you know? Man. Al doesn't live in Cape Town anymore. Oh! Yeah, really? I come from Simons, a previous member of uh, G.I. Joburg crew, or G.I. Joe crew, I should say, but out of, the, out of the picture for a while, but still with a big interest. Mm-hmm. Nice. If uh, you flick back to episode 100 of G.I. Joburg, you'll hear my old buddy Al... Uh, he was part of our, our sort of retrospective. He and I spoke about the way we used to play as kids. And uh, we make up a trio, Rob, Alistair and myself, childhood friends who used to adventure with our Joes. And so we're making G.I. Joburg history this evening by having the three of us back. And of course, Paul, the odd man out from Joburg. What's up, buddy? Mm-hmm. You all good? I'm all good. <laughs> excellent, excellent. I just fixed a, an O-ring now as we were talking, so... Wow, you are good. (laughs) (laughs) The agenda for this episode, uh, well, it's it's going to be fixated pretty heavily on, I suppose, webisode stuff. Uh, As of recording, this is the Sunday of the weekend we released the final and concluding chapter of Blood in the Water, which takes place a week after our fan-created prologue uh, was premiered. So it's been a rather exciting time for the YouTube channel, and the reason Alistair is joining us, the fact that he was instrumental in the creation of this concluding chapter. All the early stuff between Ricondo and Blood were shot by Alistair and myself, and the latter half was shot myself and Robert. Yeah. So essentially, it's like the three of us were playing G.I. Joe again. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Alistair, do you, have any, do you have any insights that you want to share about uh, the process, your involvement in it? I know it was all very impromptu, man. Oh, what I said, it was very impromptu, very ad hoc. I always enjoy entertaining you when you come visit us in Claremont with uh, the family and everything. Uh, so it was quite a break from my normal routine to get away from work, get away from the kids and and actually to explore the area that I've lived in for nearly 10 years and see it from a different perspective when you're trying to create a world for these little, what, six-inch figures and see what's going to work. It was a lot of fun. I learned a lot from you. And, yeah, I just had a great time with my buddy playing with toys, even though it was a bit more, like, regimented, like, we need to do this, need to do this, not just (laughs) go with what you do. Oh, yeah, so you were with Steven then. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, guys. At the end of the day, we have to make our day. No, I, I know. <laughs> I just couldn't help no, it. I mean, whenever I go out in the area, I mean, the Overberg is a beautiful part of the country. So whenever I go out, like I sent Steve some photos the other day, my wife and I are taking a hike out there by Roy Sons in the, in the nature reserve. I'm taking photos like, oh, it's so beautiful, out of the wife. But I'm back of my mind, I'm thinking, this would make a good uh, film set <laughs> for G.I. <laughs> Joe to be in the <laughs> so it's it's uh, it's really put a different perspective on what I'm looking at as I go through daily life almost, you know, not to be addicted to it, but just to think about it and planning something. Like I mentioned, Steve, I'm planning a little plot device of my own to maybe film one day with him if he wants to come up with some toys and, you know, oh, see you where betcha. it goes. Give me any excuse, man. 
your location <laughs> scouting is definitely appreciated. Um, not by, not just by myself, but by the viewership. Number of comments, uh, repeatedly, like regardless of the video, uh, there's always a comment or three just saying beautiful location. Uh, really cool to see the toys out in nature. So yeah, man, you, you picked a winner. Definitely. Yeah, the crazy thing is it's for me, it's on my doorstep, even for you guys in Cape Town. Like you said, you shot in Nuduk or wherever you shot. It's like 20, 30 minutes drive from your house. It's not far. Um, even the sand dunes that you filmed in, where was that? Oh, out in Atlantis. Yeah, it's about a, a 40 minute drive up the West Coast, but it's definitely within spitting distance of Cape Town. Exactly. It's a day trip. You can, yeah. get, a, can get a lot done one day as a full man. For sure, man. In fact, you and I kind of made our day early and we decided to then uh, have a swim in the river. <laughs> mm. That was fun. Yeah, man. And things like finding nice rock, natural rock bays and things to put a Joe base and planting assaults from Cobra. Yeah. So you must bring out that oil rig. What's it called? <laughs> the transportable tactical, tactical battle platform. I mean, between the two of us, yeah. uh, Paul and I, but we, we both have one. So we could set up a pretty mean aquatic fortification one day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We all have to do that. I want that to happen. All four of us. That would be amazing. <laughs> well, it happened at the wedding very briefly. It's all on Paul then. He's the furthest away. You've got to come down to the Cape and we can all get together in Claremont. i got enough yeah. sleeping place at my house. Excellent. Well, the offer's been yeah, made. Yeah, I'll do it. Like, I just have to just get there again. <laughs> so. Hitchhike. Hitch- yeah, that's super safe in South Africa. That's an extreme sport. <clears throat> Hitchhiking. What did you think of the finished results? I mean, you and I, we got together on the, the, the shooting of the thing. Uh, we had some hand-to-hand combat maneuvers between Ricondo and Blood. Yeah. I forget who played with who. I think maybe I was the bad guy. So. Wow, it sounds like you guys had a lot more fun than I thought. <laughs> well, you know how it is, Paul. Like, puppeteering two combatants at the same time on your own is challenging. Sometimes you need both hands for just one figure. You want to put their <laughs> hands in a cool, like, punching pose. So <laughs> Definitely. you got to enlist the aid of a good friend who knows his way around a G.I. Joe or two. Isn't that right, Ellie? Yeah, it was quite a challenge because also when... From, from, from childhood when you're playing, you never thought of how to add a camera to it. So now with the camera being the main focus, actually to get the action, it's a whole different thing to try and get the figures to do what you want to do without being too much in the shot yourself. Yeah. Uh, I just remember thing, the, the one, the one walking scene with the, with the blood and Rakonda, uh, you were filming and I was walking and blood kept falling more and more forward from the hip. <laughs> so it looked like he was bending over for Rakonda to take him from behind. You know, no. it was this very weird scenario. <laughs> <laughs> but I think he edited that part out when he got too far bent over. <laughs> well, you can you can see him starting to sag. I mean, Blood's seen some years. He's not the most stiff action figure. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't. Re- he hasn't retained his rigidity. <laughs> mm. I had something similar on on a shoot I was doing like now recently. I don't want to talk about it too much, but it did involve um, one of my characters, and I was doing a bit of a special effect and. Uh, in order to do the the special effect for it to work, you know, just one of the limbs has to move. Otherwise it just, it can, I wouldn't say it can look funny. It's just, it's just weird. Like if something starts bending down and then raises up anyway. Um, and it was quite funny because <laughs> I activated the, the special effect to happen. So um, the arm dropped and everything went right. And then 
as it, and then it fell over. It just went gadonk because it's it's um the weight is so much on the upper body that and the the o-ring is so loose on it so that it just pulled the whole figure down and you just check it drops and then like in a comic fashion the two in the background just dropped as well they're like ah <laughs> it's like stupid stuff like that and it happens a lot when you do these things so sympathetic fainting it's like oh, mm. oh, oh. catches like wildfire don't want to rally so ali uh i presume you watched it um any any thoughts on how it came out I'm quite uh, happy with how it ended because um, we obviously only filmed probably well, not even the first half of the conclusion episode that you posted. Then you and Rob did the rest of it with the air fight and everything. But no, I was very happy, pleasantly surprised with the actual ending. Um, typical Steve style, nothing actually ends. No bad guys can die. So, yeah, <laughs> it, made, it made me remember our childhood very much. <laughs> we don't make the rules, we just follow them. <laughs> I, I understand a need from someone like you, Al, to, to be conclusive, to like shoot down the baddie jet and take the, the prisoner and, you know, interrogate him and then lock him up for the rest of his life. That sort of like conclusive end is satisfying on one side of the, the struggle. But we have to bear in mind the fact that like there are people out there who always root for Cobra. That's so they're almost upset with me that uh, the Rattler had to kind of fly off with his tail between his legs and that the Joes kind of get off mm, re- relatively unscathed. Yeah, when you pose the question to me of a, uh, an aerial fight between a helicopter and a jet and, and the Rattler and we try to put a script together, I was also super confused. I found myself researching, can a helicopter shoot down a wing fighter? And there are accounts of it happening in real life, not just in video games. So the jet parked. Yeah. <sighs> Sorry. <laughs> There's not really a shoot down. If but no, I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm surprised at how it happened, and I'm very happy with the ending. It's really good. I'm happy with the editing, and Steve, you did a great job. Cheers, Ali. I will confess that while you scripted a superb aerial dogfight, the reality of the shoot day was such we were at our location which was a, a nature reserve called silver mine and little did we, we'd done this of the ground stuff of like the helicopter approaching uh Ricondo getting you know dashed by the the rattler attack and then the sort of the, the, the rattler banking and dropping the bomb and then we shot the the closing sequence of like Ricondo being picked up put on the stretcher and flown away and okay. then one of the guys who was a guide who was there with some of his um, hiking party, he told us, like, uh, the nature reserve is closing in half an hour and they're pretty pretty strict about it. And if you guys stick around after closing hours, they will fine you. Yeah, so we were, we were screwed. <laughs> we thought we'd have access to it until sunset. Nope. But turns out, like, 6 p.m., sorry, got to leave. So all of a sudden, Rob and I are like, we have this aerial dogfight we need to shoot today. We're losing the lights, and now we have to find an alternative location to shoot it in that has enough space and, you know, just all the kind of the, the, the topographical elements we need to make this cell. Because it has to be up in the mountains with low cloud ceiling. Okay, so we dashed that idea. We went down to the coast, basically. Um, yeah, it was in Notok. Hopefully no one yeah. crucifies for, like, 
that continuity break. <laughs> like we no longer have the clouds. I didn't even notice it. that. Oh my word. Awesome. Thank you. Well, the, the power of suggestion. But, but the, the point I'm trying to make is like it became such a hash. We literally had half an hour and we couldn't film all the action beats that you had, had scripted. Well, we did our best to do as much as we could. It was literally like, here, Rob, you take the jet and a camera. I'll take the helicopter and a camera. We'll shoot some things. <laughs> then we swap, swap vehicles. Uh, I'll put a camera down, like, on the ground, and we're just going to fly around a little bit. And I'll hopefully be able to, like, work it out in post. <laughs> so, this, the, so the strict continuity is not being adhered to. But I think, yeah. I think the action makes sense of itself. Enough. From what people have said, yeah. Yeah. No one's really taken us to task yet. Well, my experience with that episode was that the first time I saw it was when we did the premiere. Um, so that was like, I hadn't seen it before then. And everything just seemed to work really well for me. I didn't, I wasn't in a situation of like, wait, hold on, the background's changed or anything like that. It all felt cohesive. Um, and, you know, the focal point was, of course, the jets and, you know, like the uh you know and the action that was going on so i think you guys nailed it i think it's just sometimes that just happens and like you said the power of suggestion it's it's a very good thing you know you gave you gave the viewer enough information to to know where they are with your establishing shots that they didn't really question it anymore you know what i mean it was it's it stopped being the the question wasn't where are you the question is what's going to happen to who's going to die you know who's who's going to eat it you know that that was that's that's what fooled me um that, that's what i was like concerned with i was like okay how's this going to end are they going to actually shoot down the rattler somehow miraculously or or what's the situation you know i will say this much when you are kind of off script you are playing with your toys proper i mean when you've got a very rigid script and you are following it kind of beat to beat you're you know scrolling down a a piece of paper or sort of an electronic copy done this yet have you done that yeah it becomes very clinical but the way Rob and I capped off this uh, blood in the water adventure was very organic and very fun. Yeah, you know? no, I think so. We I'm literally were just we playing with toys together. with you the camera with in Al, the other I hand. Had fun with you. Yeah, what? You had fun with Al, I had fun with you. It was awesome. <laughs> it all just came together. Best, best, best. You mentioned organic and stuff. I also felt that when we were filming here in Claymont, the, the fluidity of it, we didn't have any script. You just had an idea in your head. And in between shots, we're brainstorming what's going to happen. There's no specific dialogue that all gets added post-production. Um, so it's just get some cool shots and then you put it together later. So yeah, it's, it's right. It's just playing with toys, doing something fun. I remember we were about to leave the house to go scout for a location and we were like, wait a minute. If, if Ricondo is going to try and get some rest, surely he's going to need to tie blood up somehow. <laughs> so we were like, where are we going to find some rope, man? Yeah, the, the, the rope was, was a good idea, but yeah, I remember that being a, quite a, 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 an arguing point between us as to how to actually get up there and get it done. But we went with your idea and from the filming and the editing and final production, it actually worked out really, really well. When watching it, I couldn't actually believe how plausible it seemed, but it did and it worked well. Well, it does present a puzzle when you're marching a, you know, a hostage through hostile territory like particularly one as dangerous as major blood who will slit your throats in your sleep you know you got a hog time but you also got to be in an area secluded enough to be defendable 
to be away from major trails. So like, you know, you won't be that easily discovered. So that little nook lent itself very well. But, um, we almost walked out of your house with, uh, the sort of, uh, I suppose, string from a mop. <laughs> <laughs> you managed to find that twine just in time. Yeah, what is that, like Hessian rope or whatever that you had? Yeah, some kind of pack the wife had in storage somewhere or other. I can't even remember exactly what it was, but we pulled it apart and made a rope for Joe's. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, it looks like the kind of thing um, that, I mean, a friend of mine recently got married and they had that to tie some of the um, invitations and things like that. So it's like the kind of thing that, like, Oh God, I'm going to sound terribly sexist now, but it's the kind of thing that you find like a lot of women tend to just have lying around because maybe they've like, especially if they've recently been married or whatever, that they've like experimented with it for like invites or, you know, table garnish or something, you know, I don't know, <laughs> you know, table decoration. I find that very sexist because for my wedding, I did the table gifts and I used Hessian rope to decorate the flower arrangements. <laughs> on the- Ellie, you're so, just a new age kind of guy. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> no, man, all, all jokes aside, that is right. I mean, everybody has that sort of stuff lying around in their house. So when yeah. it comes to Joe's, even over the years from a kid, you pick up what you can find that'll work. I mean, we even made clothes for our Joe's at one point. Yeah. Some more fabric than others. Rob just like wrapping fabric around this guy, but you know, whatever. <laughs> like a mummy than anything. That's yeah. cool. <laughs> oh, man, it was good for a laugh, literally, like. We all come up with some kind of like snow gear for our figurines and Rob's answer Rob. is to wrap like bandages around him. <laughs> hey, he's camouflaged. It was just fantastic fun. I think that was like in the heyday of our Joes. I mean, when we actually made clothes for them. How, how ridiculous is that for teenage or even preteen boys to be doing that? Needle and thread in hand, making clothing for six-inch figures. I mean, crazy. Who does that? I think I just cut up like existing clothes you were the one who actually fabricated them from scratch so That's certainly the most fancy. industrious of the three of us yeah i mean I like no cut and sewed and you know made seams and everything there you go even with a hoodie aces nice dude that's awesome i was just gonna say the the guys, the, the, the young boys who used to do that, well, they're the guys who make special effects, uh, who, who would go on to be the special effects masters of our, of our time, you know. So those are the boys who did it. <laughs> you know? Industrious people, yeah. No shame, bro. No shame. Ours is lazy. Yeah, we know. <laughs> <laughs> Ellie, I'm, I'm uh, curious, man. You mentioned that you have a few ideas of your own in terms of maybe a plot or something that you wanted to do uh can you divulge any details or are they top secret still in my head i haven't even put pen to paper yet um because it's it's so basic at this point but i want to get it more defined and and have a more like a more plot line to it before i actually even decide which characters to use before i really divulge anything to you and decide what to do and when to do and who to bring in terms of characters can't even give us a little hint, just a little taste. What's your inspiration right now? Like, is it a video game? Is it a film? No, it would take on from Blazing Sands. Um, I love the, the being out in the sand dune. The, the filming in the sand dune to me is, is in the sands has been quite quite awesome. I mean, like you've said, it's, it's close to your house and all that sort of thing. And just to be out there, who goes there? So to be filming there is to me something a bit special. 
Yeah, who goes there? Quad bikers, four by fours, motocross bikers. Those guys were were tearing it up, and I was like having to dodge guys in trucks. <laughs> it was hazardous. The sand dunes that I found there at Roy Sand are phenomenal. It's a walking path that takes you all the way to the main beach, so you could actually film stuff on the beach, into the sand dunes, into the bush, out up a river, onto a lagoon, into the forest. It's all there within like four kilometers of each other. Not even that. That's too big, like oh. two kilometers. <clears throat> you know, you can see all these things from standing on a high point. It's fantastic. So to get some toys out there with a camera or two will be a lot of fun. And like I say, it can be an extension or a split off from Blazing Sands. So that, that that's the direction I'm, I'm looking at. And it should be pretty cool once I get some, like I said, get some pen to paper and some actual ideas down. I'm not going to do a storyboard like your American friend, but uh, just uh, some actual words. Nice. That's awesome. Okay, well, I'm, I'm going to keep some leave time aside. For this occasion. <laughs> and I'm glad you mentioned the the visual impact of like the dunes because I think that's pretty much settled it. Rob and I are gonna film sequences from the, the final chapter of Blazing Sand out there again. We uh, we're actually gonna do it tomorrow, actually. As 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 luck would have it. Nice. Yeah, man. Very cool. Hopefully it'll be kinda of deserted because it will be a Monday and the weather looks to be very wet so it'll be a different character to the way we saw it in the first first part uh, at this rate it looks like episode 5 is going to be a bit of a bumper episode I think it's just going to have a lot of interesting textural elements mm. uh, that will, will add to the fact that it needs to be a concluding chapter and everyone's arcs need to need to come to, come to the head yeah hmm. Stuff needs to pay off. Well, you know, as much as we wanted to, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> you know me, man. Never close any chapter completely. Sorry, no, Al. No, <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. But uh, mentioning Blazing Sands, just to get it on record, guys, the the, the work with the flag, Stephen, that that built that model building, is phenomenal. I mean. We've chatted about it and looked online for other things and what people have done with flags. And yeah, some guys turned their basement into uh, a bigger scale flag with a big landing um, landing deck and like 20 planes on it, or whatever. But you can't feasibly play on it because you can't walk on it. You can't walk around it. It's just there for a photo op where what you created is something workable. It's playable. You don't even have to film with it. You could just take it out into your pool or at the beach and play with it. I mean, I think that 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 is revolutionizing what what you can do with toys, not just Joe's just specifically, but I don't know. Big kudos to you, man. That was really really awesome, and it was so cool to see it. I mean, I'd seen the flag, I'd seen what you did with it before. You got the floating model going with the LED strip lights and the framework you built. So the ultimate product was really something to behold and it's groundbreaking it's world first so congrats man really cool to see thanks buddy i i don't i don't take compliments very well but hearing it from an old friend is it's very heartfelt it's very heartwarming and yeah look i i hope that um it can be of inspiration i think that's that's perhaps our our biggest mission statement is that these webisodes they aren't necessarily a product in and of themselves we'll never be able to make this our professional work. I don't think mm. we'll never be able to produce enough to meet the kind of demand that it generates in the GI Joe community. 
I know people want a daily episode, basically. We can't do that. One a month is, is, is probably the best we can do at the, you know, the rate we, we work. But it's great that we're able to inspire other people. And exactly. And it's happening now. And if it's people cool. can take the note that we end on and let that propel their own imaginations, maybe not to go as far as to produce their own films or even necessarily play with their action figures in uh, the wild. Mm. But if it inspires a guy to take his Skyhawk down from the shelf and swoop it around the room a little bit, <laughs> then I, I feel like that's the biggest victory. And if it's able to then translate to the next generation doing the same, well, I, I think that's perhaps the loftiest goal of any any YouTube channel of mm. our nature, you know. We gotta get these things into the hands of kids and get them playing like we did. Yeah. And I like we so. do. I'm sure it's a bit of a slow burn, but it's gonna get there because I mean, you look at retro gaming, for example, and retro gaming on YouTube, at least the retro gaming channels, uh, you can see like if you, if you've been following retro gaming for a while, like I have, you can see that the channels sort of originally sort of aimed at their own market. They were like, it was like guys talking to the guys that have are of the same age. And as it sort of progressed over the years, you can see that it's now, it's not so much talking to people that are in the know, it's now talking to people that are in the know and people who want to get to know it. And that's because they've, uh, there people has who been. Are in the yes. <laughs> you know, well, that's the thing. It's like, it's people, it's like kids now, like teenagers that are gamers, but now are sort of into the old school games, you know, like how a lot of, our parents are like maybe into older school music. I don't know. Like it's just, it's just there's there's like a weird sort of uh, reaching out that's happening now with retro gaming, where a lot more younger guys, guys that weren't even born when these games came uh, came out, are now starting to go through these catalogs. And you can see it. There's a there's a huge emergence of like uh, retro classic collections that are being released now, um, in the form of like the Nintendo Classic, the Super Nintendo Classic, the very uh, highly anticipated by me, uh, Mega Drive Classic that's coming out sometime this year. Uh, 40 plus games looks amazing. Can't wait. Um, you know, so uh, there's there's a, there's like a proliferation of that kind of product coming out, and it's being bought, and it's not necessarily by the the usual offenders. It's not by the guys that are like you know 30 and 40 now. It's like by guys that are like hitting their 20s, maybe a little bit younger, you know, that kind of thing. So maybe. Maybe, you know, we just keep doing what we're doing and we start teaching kids how to play with toys again. Or not, I'm not saying us single-handedly, but we'll be part of, of a generation that is teaching kids how to play with toys again. And, and maybe that helps uh, for a second action figure renaissance. I mean, look at me talking this way. I mean, you know, this is very wishful, but, you know, it could be. It could happen, you know. Hasbro could get a third. There could be a third revival of G.I. Joe in our future. You know? well, it's very encouraging to see responses from parents whose kids do watch the stuff. Mm. Uh, and you guys know who you are. Uh, G.I. Joeberg loves you. Big time. Big time. We think you're doing incredible work by your, your youngins. Uh, so keep it up, man. Keep the, the, the toy love strong and keep having adventures with your, with your offspring. <laughs> Ain't no lie. I love to fly. I you think it's. <laughs> So, yeah. Ali, do you think you might be looking forward to uh, introducing Scarlet and Gabriel to uh, the likes of Duke, Snake Eyes, and Cobra Commander? I don't know, man. Not not being a collector myself, I don't have that at my fingertips to to show them. 
Mm, but would you perhaps in your playtime want to like take up whatever toy they have and I don't know, take them on perhaps a more involved plotline than maybe the typical dress up, go to the shop. <laughs> I I don't know. I, I'm I'm just throwing it out there. Like it just depends on how much the characters of Paw Patrol can get up to. I mean, they're dogs, so we will have to see. <laughs> Dude, they get up to all sorts, man. Rescuing cats from trees, like flood victims, hurricanes. Harvesting the farm of pumpkins and apples. I mean, these dogs are incredible. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> they're pretty cool vehicles. You know me, I'm a vehicle guy. Yeah, they're very much like a transformer kind of vehicle. They turn from the where they sleep to a fire truck or a police vehicle or a helicopter or hovercraft. That's quite cool. If you could actually get those toys that uh, transform. But uh, this is a G.I. Joe podcast. I'd rather not talk about Paw Patrol. I see it too much. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. sorry it's, it's, it's kind of one of those moments like the horror. The horror. <laughs> Do you also end up watching, uh, what's it called? Rescue Force or Rescue Heroes or something. No, we, we kind of we stick to Channel 307, which is Nickelodeon Jr., so the highlights oh, okay. there are Paw Patrol and Dora and Shimmer and Shine, and yeah, the theme songs keep me awake at night. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but mentioning evolution of gameplay, I mean, Steve, we spoke about it br- briefly, like with the flag, what's next? Would you put her uh, on a remote control with a little with some motors or something? I'm even imagining now, like, looking at Marvel Avengers with the flying aircraft carriers. I mean, somebody could easily turn their flag into a drone. Um, maybe not easily, but it could be done. I mean, how crazy is that? Imagine filming a flying flag as part of your your webisodes. Wow. Yeah, I reckon you only need about four drones to get it up there. So, easy peasy, it's about 30 grand. <laughs> <laughs> We'll start saving. I saw drones for 600 rand that you can buy that put the camera, phone, and all that sort of stuff on it. I almost bought one, but the wife said no. <laughs> wow. That almost sounds... Yeah, that, that sounds a bit dubious. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> what, the drone or the wife? <laughs> no, the, the drone. I mean, it's a wife's prerogative to prevent you from spending money. It's just... They just like doing stuff like that. You know, girlfriend... They, they practice as girlfriends, and then they've, like, mastered it by the time they're your wives. So, Yeah. <laughs> well, to be honest, Al, and I know that you're a proponent of motorizing the flag, and a lot of people out there are, and it would be the work of an afternoon. I literally am one degree of separation away from model uh, shipbuilders. I gave them actually a... a, a it was a, a, a theater prop, a sort of miniaturized fishing trawler, uh, which had been given to me because I expressed an interest in it when I saw it backstage. Uh, and then I wound up having this massive boat occupying space <laughs> in my apartment, which I could ill afford. So I, I gave it to these guys, and I think they probably resined the hull or fiberglassed it to waterproof it and installed the motor. I've yet to see the finished product, but I'm pretty sure that's exactly what they did. So it would be a cinch to put, an, to put a motor into the, the, the custom flag base that I made but would I want to? I don't know if I want to sail my flag about. I want to have the tactile experience of playing with it. Um, so I kind of run counter to that notion out there that wants to see the flag sailing through the waters, you know, unassisted. I want to be in control of it directly. 
I've never been an RC fan. I've always been about like actually holding the Sky Striker and flying it through the air, as opposed to like <laughs> fingering my control while this thing plays with itself. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's right, folks. <laughs> Double entendre. <laughs> that's what we're all about here in GI Joe Berg. Uh, I'm dude, not I can... calling RC guys a bunch of wankers. I promise. No, no, I know. Just playing with themselves. I just, uh, to sort of relate to you a little on that note, um, I've always been fascinated with RC uh, cars and RC jets, um, but not because I want to fly them or drive them. I've just really loved the concept of building them. And I remember when I was still in primary school, I think it's like, what, uh, grade seven? Uh, yeah, around grade seven there, I, I remember like, you know, one of the, the sort of hot ticket items I wanted for like Christmas was an RC, um, Porsche by Tamiya, you know, that was like 2,300 bucks or something like that at the time. And then you had to buy the, the remote control and the transponder and all of that stuff together. And it was like, ended up being like three, three. Anyway, needless to say, uh, I'm sure some video game console or some game came out or something came out that was just way more interesting at the time for me um, and you know, than that. And it's always sort of fallen by the wayside because I've always known that if I buy it, I'm just gonna build it, have the satisfaction of building it and then never wanting to play with it because I also like being hands-on. So I share your sentiments, Steve. True, true, true. You either that kind of guy or you're not. Well, it, it leaves, leaves it open for other people to take it further. I mean- Yeah, totally. I think somebody has done it though. Oh, really? Well, no, not, not has. I think somebody, I, I think somebody was talking about doing it because they had seen our video and I, I think it was on the G.I. Joe Renegades uh, forum or something. Somebody was like, okay, cool. You know, so they're going to do that and then they're just going to put in like remote control features or radio control features. So I'm like, cool. You know, whatever. That's you know. Part two, man. Yeah, totally. Be interesting to see what they do with it. I mean, would it just be a showcase piece or would they actually kind of use it somehow? I don't know. Yeah, it's it's such a tricky thing because I, I think because of the vintage quality of the vehicle itself or of the flag itself, I don't think guys want to like take it out too much. I think I think that notion still freaks a lot of people out. You know, it's fairly brittle plastic. I mean, I'm preaching to the choir here. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Actually, more so than I do. Um, and I mean, even with my, just my TTBP, for example, I mean, I need to get myself a, a, a new missile stack because the one I've got, I mean, if I look at it funny, the missile tabs break off. You know, and uh, so like, you know, I think that is definitely something that's like sort of an obstacle for guys like, yeah, cool. You can put all of this fancy Zushi stuff into it. But, you know, when it comes time to actually putting it in the water or having it subjected to sunlight and things like that, you know, that's where we're going to see who, who, you know, who's got the money or who's got three flags in their garage and who doesn't. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. like, yeah, yes, of who's got the balls. Yes, <laughs> is that too? And we know Scuba Steve has big balls. <laughs> Massive cajones. <laughs> yeah, man, the size of oranges. It's a good thing <laughs> my wife likes to taste of orange juice. <laughs> yeah, I think that's where I'm going to call it. <laughs> God, oh, I'm chatting with you. Uh, I think I've had enough of sitting in the rain, though. My wine is finished, so I'm going to say goodnight. Uh, right it's on. been
been awesome chatting with you guys. Thanks for including me. I appreciate it. It's been awesome and uh, oh. look forward to future chats. Awesome. Ellie, you are always welcome, my man. It is wonderful to have <laughs> the team complete. Hey, well, we, we're going to film these things with Al. It's going to happen. I, I want that to happen a lot. We're going to mm. drink lots of wine <laughs> and we're going to film a lot of stuff. All right, Ellie. So long, my man. Yes, guys. Enjoy the rest of your day. Later, dude. Cool. I'll be in touch as always. And yes, I definitely do need a visit. That is that is definitely going to happen. Yeah. Before you leave for four, four years. <laughs> When you say it like that. <laughs> so long, my friend. Yes, guys. Bye. Yes, keep up. Arrivederci. Arrivederci. Speaking of which, I think G.I. Joburg does need a drone. I think wow. I think we need a drone. I would make do with just a, a cool battery-powered LED at this point. Yeah, just something light to light things up a lot, uh, a lot more easier. Because I mean, the, the the solutions we come up with using a Darth Vader lightsaber to light scenes is is I, interesting. I just get excited at the prospect of being able to shoot outdoors at night because yeah. a an LED with a light stand that is battery powered would uh, basically it's an LED flood, so mm-hmm. we'd be able to light large areas adequately to shoot under but it wouldn't mm-hmm. look like it wouldn't look like artificial light because it would look like moonlight yeah that's going to be revolutionary for our cool. productions you just yeah, have it can... a sea of darkness but you know perfect clarity on the subject mm. and then every single bug within like you know a 50 kilometer radius depending on the time of year and also like like Cape Town ain't so buggy hey like I know bugs. I know fucking northern Queensland, where it is—it's just fucking insane, man. It's like, like fucking rabbits they're wings. crawling all over each other, and the the spiders and geckos are like licking their lips, man. They are just like <laughs> <laughs> feeding frenzy. Oh my goodness! Uh, wow. You know, you—you've uh, just uh, inspired a little bit of uh, joke on nostalgia now. <laughs> um, with that. Oh yeah, phrase. what's that? Um. You oh, know, feeding frenzy. When, Jeez. <laughs> no, 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 no. When, you know when we we uh, visited Greg, uh, Greg's place. Oh. Uh, oh, it was awesome. But my word, like that many bugs. I, I mean, we're, I'm South African, dude. I'm not supposed to be weirded out by bugs, but there were a lot of bugs, and I was like, this is pretty weird, you know. Bro, yes, you were it in was wild America, man. Yeah, it was. It was actually. It was really cool. It was a cool experience. Uh, I'm not sitting here going, oh my god, oh the bugs are so scary or whatever. I'm like, it was just, it was really, it's just so different to what it's like here. And it was, it was really cool, actually. But it just, what you said now, just made, it reminded me of that. I was just thinking of all of these, like, awesome and crazy and freaky ass spiders and, and stuff. Um, as you were saying that, you know, like, you know, when you said feeding friends, you know, just sort of spiders at Greg's place. There's some crazy shit out there, but I think, uh, I think some of us have some new crazy shit at home, don't we? We do. Mm-hmm. The second half of this episode is basically Stephen Paul got new shit. Yeah, 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 and Rob's gonna gush. Ooh, damn. <laughs> I got the Renegades. Hey. I got good old Taurus, Mercer, and Red Dog. What do you oh, think you of got... the Renegades, Robbie? I think they're fantastic. I mean, what I find most interesting is they all have like double belts going on. 
But I don't know why, but apparently, yeah, they, you know, they need two belts to keep their pants up. Whoa, oranges. <laughs> <laughs> and they all look so different and unique, but somehow, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, they kind of feel like a team as well, which, which I really enjoy. Um, and they look very, yeah, very much themselves, unique. Yeah, I like them a lot. I mean, the, the general sculpting is pretty good. Most of it is probably the plainest, at least in my opinion. Um, but otherwise, yeah, they're really fantastic. I never warmed to them, not even in the G.I. Joe movie. My goodness. But shooting these web series suddenly gives me the desire to have a faction of guys who are not G.I. Joe, but are... Good guys. Well, chaotic well. good, if yeah. you want to use that kind of parlance. Yeah, well, then we can do, you probably do a whole entire episode just featuring these guys and the, the sergeant, just kind of. And how they function as yeah. this kind of, you know. Autonomous. Unit. They're fantastic. Ruffians. Yeah. You were going to ask Rob which one his favorite was. Or were you going to ask me? Oh, I, actually, ask? I'm curious, who, who's, uh, uh, both of you, like, who's, 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 who's favorite? <laughs> well, Mercer wise, I prefer the vision that I have. Like is the kind of bearded version, but then that's also a different Mercer, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's confusing. Yeah. It's it's like that's just the generic name they give to guys who kind of like you know leave Cobra. He's a Mercer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so who is it then, Robo? I think it's probably Taurus. That beard is crazy. It's <laughs> really cool. Like uh-huh. he must spend a lot of time kind of like preening it and making it perfect. And he's got those like weird shoulder pads. Yeah. He stands out the most to me. And also, I like that he has a double uh, eagle belt buckle thing going on. And he's mm. protecting himself as well. He's got protection down there. The metal plate on his crotch. Oh, he's got you a... always need uh, that. A ball sack. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, trying to think of the proper name for it now. The pouch. But it's the, the groin guard thing. Yeah. That thing is. It's garden. I can't... Damn it, I can't think of the name. Cod Cod Thank you. There we go. Sorry, yeah. I was in a daze. I was like, I, I could have come to your rescue at any moment, but I was like, mm, Red Dog, mm, Taurus. <laughs> I tell you, I'm like the the figures never excited me because their 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 accessories never gripped oh, me. They were like yeah. they were not premised on the fact that they had a, a concept. The the concept was the trio of them. Yeah. Like they weren't like rock climber or rocket trooper or you know undercover agent. Like they were. Outsiders. Sold as as a trio, but strangely enough, in this country, they were sold sing- single carded, and these guys single carded don't exactly blow anyone's hair back. Yeah, if you think about it at the time, I mean, the way that the characters generally looked, they looked looked a lot more militaristic. While these guys, they kind of don't really. Who are they? What are they? They're a confusing concept at first blush. Uh, a friend of mine had Red Dog and absolutely loved Red Dog. Um, I think he saw a lot of himself in Red Dog because he was, uh, first team or A team rugby. Uh, he looked like Red Dog, sort of thick set, cappuccino complexion, um, and liked a lot of gold bling. No, that, that last bit is not true. Bling bling. But, uh, he loved Red Dog and he loved his, his enormous pistol. So. There's some resonance there. Taurus is a figure that I remember um, my parents getting for a friend of mine's birthday party. 
and I felt no pain in handing that over. Because I, you know, I didn't really, I, the figure did nothing for me. I was like, that's cool. My friend can have this, you know, I'm sure there's a cooler figure in the shops that I can twist mommy's arm to buy me. Um, but now seeing them all together, I think, I think Taurus gets my approval as well. Whoa. That, that face is just so, so unlike any other G.I. Joe. Yeah. Mm. No, it very much is. That's, oh, wow. It's very, very characteristic. And it's fantastic the way, I mean, he's properly, I mean, okay, we've had Gung Ho before as a bald character, but he had his, he had his, his uh, little, his little cap. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, is this the first properly bald character? Um, you've got the 19, well, yes, I suppose chronologically he, he would be. I mean, Zartan has a hood. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I mean, this is the first one that's actually been openly sculpted to be bald. And I, mm. I mean, it actually looks really good. It's an impressive noggin. It's an impressive beard. And yeah. As I say, it's got so much character in it, whereas the other two are kind of, perhaps a bit glazed. Yeah. And there's always something glazed. to be said about, um, you know, red, red eyes on a character. <laughs> it's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he most certainly Scary. would have been a, a, a vampiric character. <laughs> Who's no, your Who's your favorite, Paul? I I, I guess it's, it's it's not going to be a clean sweep for Taurus. Yeah, no, it's not going to be a clean sweep for Taurus. Although I think he is an interesting figure. Um, yeah. I've actually I find all three of them to be quite interesting in that they, uh, for exactly what you guys said, they they actually kind of generic, but therein lies their, their sort of charm. Um, you know, because they do have their own quirks. Uh, my favorite of the bunch, uh, is I love Mercer. Um, and I think that's fueled more by the fact that I really like the character. I find the concept of the character quite fascinating. Um, but but the toy, you know, if you think about it, it's actually kind of a generic figure. It's like it's it's kind of as basic as as GI Joe figures can come, pretty much. Um, yeah. you, you know, so it's like uh, you know, but I don't know. Just I think I think that just gives it a good. Um, it's a nice canvas. You know, you, you can actually paint quite a lot of character traits. You can project yourself, yeah, onto it, yeah, a lot better. Yeah, it's a great, it's an awesome tapestry for your imagination. Huh. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Very imaginative, particularly with his superhero boots. Hey. Mm. hey. Yeah, but I mean, those are technically biker boots, you know, like, that, you see, that doesn't bug me. It sort of fits with how I understand him, you know, he's, he kind, he seems like kind of a rough dude, and, you know, I didn't know he existed until I saw the movie, and then I, I, I never just, I could never fathom that they'd make a figure of him. I like, I never thought any of those, those guys got toys until much later. Well, um, that's why they were co- in the movie because they made toys of them, and they were like, okay, we made toys of these guys. Uh, invent a story, please. Uh, <laughs> no, so, no, Paul, I get did you that. Not, uh, I get did you that not? No. Did, did you not encounter these guys in the wild growing up? Never, never. Okay. Never, I've never ever. seen them either. They were somewhat of a peg warmer here. I think oh, right. kids tended to gravitate towards Rock Viper, uh, or or any any figure that came with a lot of anyone that didn't look like these two. Well, any <laughs> yeah, guys that that were more suggestive in their equipment. Yeah, like these guys were a basic figure, a backpack, and a gun. Mm. Right. There's n- there's not a great deal of a sales yeah, which point. Yeah, why to those. I mean, if if yes, that they came together and they were maybe slightly cheaper than buying three figures separately, I think it would be worth getting. You know, at the time at least. So it's, it's kind of jippy that they kind of separated in the mouthwoods. Mm. Like three figures mm. like this together for less than the price of three figures. So maybe like two, two and a half figures. Yeah, I, I probably would have bought this. Gosh, I think we've spoken about the Renegades just about enough right now. Oh. Yeah. Until, until oh. we actually dedicate an episode to them. 
I'm going to run through the rest quite quickly. Uh, and if you guys have anything you want to, uh, I suppose, uh, make special mention of, we can come back to it. But uh, with a broad sweep, I got a... I think I've already mentioned I got a, ba- a badger in Singapore. I also got a night... Jeez, uh, what is the name? Nightshade, the night force um, shark. Very sexy. Mm. Fortunately, it's got all of its red parts. Just missing the two torpedoes, but I've got two black ones, which look perfect. In fact, I half considered swapping out all the black components from the wave crusher to make an all-black um, sea ray. Or, sorry, all-black all nightshade. Um, because, after all, you know, the nightshade is cast in the perfect G.I. Joe colors of black and red. <laughs> I mean, you park it next to the Night Raven, and it's like they were made for each other. <laughs> but maybe that's the idea with Night Force. They're supposed to look like Cobra vehicles, but they just have the shape of G.I. Joe vehicles. Ha, ha, ha. I got uh-huh. a beautifully mint Tiger Cats. With unapplied stickers. Oh, I had the best time applying these stickers very painstakingly because you want to get the mouth and the eyes just right. Um, I was sitting at uh, Singapore International Airport in the departures lounge with a semi-long layover. It was about three hours that I had to spend in that that building. But I sat there and procrastinated from my work and instead perfected the mouth. I actually even cut into it with a, a with a blade, which I managed to smuggle onto the airplane. Oh. Don't ask me how. Um, yeah, I cut into it so that it would go around the various sort of molded pieces at the bottom of the the, the, the tiger cats, I suppose. I think it's like a snowplow, basically, that front fender. And the snow cat, or the tiger cat, is a special vehicle for me. And it really stands head and shoulders above all the other Tiger Force vehicles. Because it actually expands the use of the snowcat. The snowcat has rather limited scope for deployment. But all of a sudden you have the tiger cat and you're like, this thing can go anywhere. This thing can go to Mars. <laughs> you know, its color scheme is completely at odds with everything. So all of a sudden it becomes very pliable. Go in the jungle, in the snow. It's going to be loud and it's going to make a statement wherever you take it. That's kind of the charm of the Tiger Force stuff, you know, so yep. I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad that Gorgeous. you feel that way. <laughs> Got Serpentor on his air chariot for a song, I'm very pleased to Fuck, say. I need Serpentor in my life. Carry on. <laughs> no, you don't. You really don't. <laughs> I um, do. I like that toy. Everybody's like, eh, about it. I think Serpentor, man. Plus, mm. I have his air chariot. <laughs> so. I got a complete uh, 1988 Iron Grenadier, my first since my childhood one disappeared on me completely. Um, Raptor, because you gotta, he's on the, he's in the Nintendo game, he's a boss. I can't not have, I mean, I, I, I seriously considered getting one when I was in the States, but I was like, I don't have enough scoops, so. <laughs> <laughs> I got Topside because why not, he's part of the 1990 crew, so. And relatively few Navy men, like straight-up Navy men who aren't Navy SEALs. You need him. He's useful. And he's a childhood toy, which I finally have reacquired. Wonderful. Um, I got the Takara release of the Skyhawk, which very amusingly has a, a, a name of its own. Do you know what that name is, gentlemen? I don't. What is it? Uh, Little Dun Dun Harry. Skyhawk. Little Harry! <laughs> little Harry! I have a little Harry. 
<laughs> Isn't it the cutest name? <laughs> little Harry. Little Harry. It sounds like a terrible euphemism for a boner. because it's a... It's a little, ha- little Harrier, yeah. Little Harrier, exactly. So but Harry... they called him Little Harry. Little Harry. It's like... <laughs> real, la- real... Hey, that, that's racist. <laughs> As your wife would say. Oh, dear, she's the worst. <laughs> and last You're but not least... Kim. Uh... Crimson God Immortal, which I haven't actually shown Rob yet. Wow. That <laughs> is amazing. No, that, that, i got a cool story to tell about that one, too. <laughs> what even? This guy's insane. It he looks never, huge. It never jumped out at me when it was on sale here. Um, I must say the only time any kind of light has been shone on it was from Deke, where a, a CGI... And Duke are basically like each other's opposite number mm. on the respective teams. And they both need to cure their, um, family members' drug addiction. <laughs> so Cobra and G.I. Joe <laughs> team up. And the flashpoint of that team up is Duke and the, the Crimson Guard Immortal. This is a fantastic version as well. I mean, his little sigil on his left arm is, it looks almost perfect. Oh, it's little Harry. <laughs> little Harry, oh, it looks good. Looks but guys, good. I've got to confess, I still don't like the CGI. <gasps> How can you not? He's got these cool weapons. The weapons are unique. They make him kind of like Crimson God unleashed, basically. It's yes. like this is all-out warfare Crimson God. Crimson God gone wild. But he's just got some design excesses that stray from the original design and not in a good way. Maybe it's a, a 90s thing, like... The little sigils on his his head and belt are nice, but too small to be effective. Like you can see what they what they're getting at, but they they don't quite pull it off. Yeah, it's not his, quite. His little boots are kind of cartoonishly diminutive. <laughs> like his feet seem undersized. <laughs> now that you point it out, yeah. And the the little very big silver chest plate is kind of garish and like. Just gives his chest like one swatch of color, basically. Which okay. I mean, I, I like see where you're the from. fineries of the original Crimson God are kind of rinsed and not in a good way. But maybe that's the idea. This is literally an escalation of the Crimson God. It's like yeah, these are the guys that are go- actually going out there more than the actual Crimson God themselves. I mean, those guys are more like you know the behind the scenes guys, the elite guard of Cobra Commando. Well, these are the versions of the Crimson Gods that actually go out with. You know, the battle-armored version of Cobra Commander. Hmm, okay. I like that. Yeah, man. What were we going to say about it, Paul? Apart um, from uh, venting your jealousy. <laughs> <laughs> so I had that uh, I had that toy, um, and I remember I managed to con my parents into buying me four G.I. Joes one Saturday while we, we were doing grocery shopping on a Saturday. And, uh, like, yeah, the, the Crimson God Immortal was, was uh, amongst those. Um, I've always loved it. And I've always thought it was like a really, really cool toy. It's never gonna quite match uh, the splendor of the original Crimson God. Um, and my friend David would be quite happy to rub that in when we were kids. He'd be like, "Yeah, but the original's better." Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, the, the Immortal was always mine, which was cool. And then at some point, uh, as kids, you know, we sort of traded um, toys over. Uh, Dave and I, and he made a custom uh, from my Crimson God Immortal. He basically painted it black and silver and gave it a cape. He took some kind of skull and horns and whatever's from some other figurine 
and slapped that on its like forehead and he gave it some massive like sly hunter um you know sword and it just turned it into some like evil darth vader from like you know the satanic bible kind of thing <laughs> it's like, i've still got it i've actually got it uh, i've still got it here yeah it's really really awesome um actually and uh you know but that was mine that was my childhood one and uh so the other day steve and this is uh this will get into uh this is not going to segue completely into mine uh into my my new hall of stuff but uh steve gives me a shout he goes hey have you checked out uh but buy um uh, blah 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 has like so many figures up and whatever's She's going to have a look. And I was like, oh, you know, the one time that I don't check out Bit or Buy, they got like a shit ton of toys. So I go and look and then I go and I'm just like, I'm always curious. I always click on recently purchased. You know, I did that and I see, oh, the guy just sold the Crimson Guard Immortal. So I tell Steven, uh, <laughs> lo and behold, guess who the asshole was who bought it? <laughs> <laughs> well, on that night, I think I learned the value of striking while the iron's hot because the second it I saw it had been listed, I, I hit buy. In spite of the fact that if you buy it from the seller directly and not online, he'll give you a 10% discount because that 10% would normally go to the website um, that hosts these sales. Mm. But I learned the opposite lesson the other day, gentlemen, because I saw that he listed a Tiger Force Outback. And being uh, sort of an acquaintance of mine now who knows that I like G.I. Joe, he let me know that he'd listed a Tiger Force Outback. And I saw said Tiger Force Outback and said, hmm, why don't you hold it for me? And he was like, sure thing, pal. Uh, I then noticed that it had a broken crotch, which actually isn't a deal breaker when you consider what these things go for in any number of conditions. Um, it mm. was going for a fraction of that, like probably... Guys, I feel dirty saying it's about ten dollars. <laughs> That's what he wanted for this toy. Uh but I decided to use the crotch piece as a bit of a bargaining chip and say you know, I wanted to kind of cool off my interest a little bit and say, Mm, yeah, broken crotch, I think I might have to pass on the outback. But I want a few other things, so I'll I'll pay you a visit tomorrow anyway. I drive out to see him. And he says to me, hey, Stephen, I'm sorry you got here when you did. If you arrived five minutes ago, I could have introduced you to my buddy Tion, who's also a G.I. Joe fan. And he actually picked up that Outback that you were interested in. Hey. Oh, my heart oh. sank. Sank. Literally five minutes. If I decided to do the grocery shopping after the Joe shopping, it would have been a different story. <laughs> So yeah, I was, that's what you get was, for breaking the rules, man. <laughs> I know, right? We need to write the the, the Bible of toy hunting. Um, yeah. And, and and laminate it. And not share it with other people. Thou <laughs> shalt so, not do grocery shopping before toy shopping. I mean, it's right up there with you know. Thou <laughs> shalt not pay I, stupid I prices. I have myself to blame because <laughs> I I wanted to use that as a as an opportunity to haggle. I should have just said. Uh, whatever, name your price, because at the end of the day, look, I'm not interested in resale ever, but even with a broken crotch, $10 for a Tiger Force Outback, give me a break, he's just going to sit in the Tiger Cat anyway and look badass, so, damn it, I kicked myself hard, but then the store owner was like, 
do you want the number of the guy who bought it? <laughs> Seems a little uh, unprofessional, but I totally took that number and I totally called the guy. Um, he, turns out he's not particularly a fan of Tiger Force Outback. He just picked him up because he looked interesting. And therein lay my opportunity to get it back. That was my in, guys. I asked him, hey man, is there anything that you're on the lookout for? Maybe we could set up a trade. <laughs> he showed me some images of some toys he was looking for. A lot of uh, Street Fighter action figures, actually. G.I. Joe Street Fighter. And of course, Firefly, because everybody wants Firefly, right? Yeah. Mm. Uh, and one of the toys he showed me was 1991's Dusty, which, as of recording this, I don't currently possess. Nor would I want to give up, uh, because I quite like that Dusty, and I look forward to getting getting him one day. Um, and I'm not keen on getting rid of my Tiger, uh, my Street Fighter action figures, because they're my childhood ones. Memories. <laughs> but I do have a Dusty from 2001, from the G.I. Joe Real American Hero collection. It's that sort of blue, blue-shirted, green pants... Slightly swirly paint, you know, paint wipes kind of guy. And Tian, bless his cotton socks, he's all over it. He wants that figure. He's going to swap me Tiger Force Outback for... Uh, I don't know. Uh, it's it's not a bad Dusty, but... Not your favorite. It's, it's not my favorite, and also I think in the minds of anyone listening to this podcast, I think I'm winning at life. I think you're in definitely that, winning. In that trade. But in yeah. that, you're both winning. You're, you're getting something that you've always wanted at, at, for nothing. Absolutely yep. nothing. Mm. But this guy is also getting something he wants. You know, and, and a version of the character that I think he didn't even know existed. I think Success. Uh, I need to hold my breath a little bit until he actually parts with it. Yeah, that's that's the thing. That's not counted. This could turn into a horror thing. story. <laughs> when he's like, this, this, could, this could change very quickly, guys. Stay tuned. Oof. Next episode. Hopefully. Paulie, what you get, buddy? What you get? What you get? What you get? I, okay, I got some cool stuff. So, like, um, remember that, that, uh, story I was telling you guys earlier about Steven telling me about this, like, dealer having some Joes? Well, anyway, it turns out he had a lot of Joes that I was looking for. Um, the, uh, Renegades included, I might add, but I didn't get them because he had a Charbroil, which is a Joe I've been trying to get my hands on for a while, and a Metalhead. Which I, I passed up in Joe Con because it had broken pegs on its legs. And I'd already taken other figures from that batch, so I felt like I was being greedy, so I, I left it. So I was like, Said Metalhead with the broken pegs, I put uh, metal pins in, and it holds his rocket launchers just fine. And now he's bang bang! Yeah, man, uh, so that is a double success story, I'd say. Yeah, so that was a cool one. Um, and, it, it, you know, it's a toy I've always liked. I've always liked Metalhead. Uh, I'm very happy I never saw how he was characterized on the Deke show, because that would have put me off him immediately. Um, uh, so I'm glad, I, I'm glad I, my, my experience with that toy it was toy first and cartoon second. Uh, so that was cool. I uh, finally got my hands on that. I got my hands on a much-coveted vintage bat, Battle Android ooh, Trooper. Congrats, which I've Yeah, the bat... Paul, congrats, Paul. <laughs> Thanks, Rob. <laughs> uh, Battle Android Troopers are amongst one of my favorite things in G.I. Joe. Um, and I have always wanted a vintage one since uh, encountering 
uh, David's Battle Android Trooper, which sounds dirty now that I say it. Anyway, um, so I finally have a vintage one. He is a bit of a beater, but his thumbs aren't broken and he's cool. And, you know, Steve, uh, when he went there to go and collect it for me, uh, he made sure that he got me the best gear and stuff possible for that. Um, that toy. So that was, that was really sweet and really awesome. Thank you, dude. And, um, almost, uh, not, not the last one, uh, but Shockwave. I now own a vintage Shockwave. Hey. Which I know, right? And it's so weird. I can't believe I don't have this toy because this is also a, a toy that I've wanted since I was a kid. And I don't know why I've never bought one. I think I've always just encountered them where he's missing a knife or missing a handgun. And, I'm sure a lot of our listeners will agree he is a great character, but it kind of it is kind of a waste to get him without his knife or without his yeah, gun. Yeah, he needs to come with everything, Paul. You know, yeah. and, and also now that's a character that all three of us own. I mean, he's one of those because when we were growing up and he, you know, past that we we're still, still still expanding our collection. I would always buy things that Stephen didn't have because I was like, I'd rather get things to like add to the collection and make it different and more varied. Yeah, Dave and I were the same, but there were exceptions, you know. Yeah. Yeah, and eventually Shockwave was the, was one of those exceptions. I think probably the only one actually. I don't oh, think wow. you ever played with your Shockwave. No, no, no. But you I eventually him did get, get your own. One, so I could have him, you know, so I could actually say to myself, "Awesome, I have this guy." You know. It's GI Joe Berg history there as well. Uh, to date, the only common toy between the three of us was the Mamba. Yeah. Now Shockwave. Mamba and Shockwave. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. I was going to say, actually, I didn't think there was much in common between the three of us. <laughs> no, well, that way. <laughs> yeah, like I know what you mean. Way. I know what you mean. <laughs> uh, so, so that's pretty cool. And I, so I, I finally got my own uh, Shockwave, which is great. Nice. Um, and it, it, is, it is a fantastic toy. I'm sure I'm, I don't have to tell... It, most of our listeners here how cool it is. You're preaching to the choir here, dude. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and then uh, I finally got a Rock Viper. But this is kind of a funny story. I actually have a Rock Viper, but it's one of those weird situations of, you know, like when you have a Joe figure, at least in my mind, I kind of only feel like I own it once it's complete. So I need to really start changing how my brain works with stuff like that, but it's just easier for me. <laughs> to but uh, I got one... Uh, you guys might remind, remember an unboxing video I did uh, where I got a Python Conquest and all that. And he was amongst that uh, lot there. And I was very excited to have him. But Rock Viper isn't as much fun without his gear as he is with his gear. So I've kind of like sort of put him in the box because it's such a minty Rock Viper that I got. And I kept him in my like sort of uh, pre-shelf box um, because I've been wanting to get gear for him and, and whatever. Anyway, so I see there's a Rock Viper. So, you know, Steve hooked up uh, this Rock Viper for me. So now I have two Rock Vipers, which is quite odd because I seem to always have two Rock Vipers. I have two modern era Rock Vipers. Yes, I know. It's my cross to bear. But um, <laughs> so I finally got a Rock Viper and it's the proper um, it's the proper Rock Viper. It's not like the silly Rock Viper that comes with like a rocket launcher or something dumb. It's got his like feature. Although I think if memory serves the European Rock Viper that we got also came with his climbing gear, just he was missing the little, um, the small gun. He never came with the small gun. Unfortunately, the Euro re-release of Rock Viper, I think in 1991 or two, uh, substituted all his gear for 1991 Snake Eyes' gear. Hmm. Except yes. it was in like a maroon and neon green 
Like the projectile was neon green, the the, the launcher was maroon. It was still a yeah, backpack like that effectively was a grapple yeah. launcher, but didn't have the panache of his original equipment. And the details, I mean, it's so nice to see the, the rockets on the one side and the grapple on the other and the spool and the fact that you can plug the, the gun into the, gun backpack. the backpack. Like, yeah. Rock Viper is one of those figures that, like, the design team, they didn't, they didn't phone it in. Yeah, like, they definitely they worked, they worked work. out the minutia of the figure's details and they made a figure that really stands the test of time, man. It's, mm. it's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, that, that little gun Very of his, unique. you know, shoots batons into the wall, uh, into the rock face, you know, like, I love that. Like, I think as a kid, I would have just thought it was just a small handgun, but I think now, like, <laughs> I, think I, I, still I, do. I see that. <laughs> oh, right. Well, listen, getting shot with a baton is going to suck anyway. I mean, you know, <laughs> so, you know, it, it makes for a, a very Cobra-esque weapon. And then last, um, but super awesome for me at least, I now own a Battle Armor Cobra Commander complete with his hose and his backpack and his little gun. And I don't he think is women great. appreciate being called that, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't call him a hose. I just said he has a hose. He comes complete with his hose. <laughs> Jeez, dude. <laughs> I don't think Cobra does come with his hose. Anyway, moving along. Um, uh, I, this is my Lame. first. Lame. This is my first like proper vintage uh, Cobra Commander uh, as an adult collector because the only one I ever used to have was talking. Battle Commanders, Cobra Commander, and then the one with the orange faceplate. But I've never had like a true vintage Cobra Commander. So this is my first one. So now I have a vintage CC, which is so cool. I mean, it's not really CC. We all know this, but it's still cool to have him. And he's a great toy. Like, there's a lot of cool stuff happening with this guy's sculpt. Um, and like those eyes, they're quite intense. And I've, I've also looked at, uh, looked it up online because mine, mine seems to have a slightly more, turquoisey coloring than a blue coloring I, I don't know like nobody's listed that as a variant so po this is possibly a coloring that's happened to it over age or something like that i don't mind it i think it adds to the aesthetic it definitely suits him um and it looks cool i mean i'm not complaining that's what i'm getting at but i've also noticed that um, there are variations if you look on yojo.com there are variations to i think he's his neck color so, like, underneath his, if you take his head off, uh, you know, if you replace his O-ring, which I had to do, because uh, pretty much as I got him, he fell apart. Um, he's, he became too half You're welcome. I <laughs> <laughs> um, do realize I cannibalize all your figures before I send them on to you. I'm like, oh, that, that O-ring's tight. <laughs> Pop Paul off with that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, good to Not know. Not really, Paul. Not really. No, okay. What, are you going to pay me back sometime? Are you going to, like, send me some, some bunged-up Joes? <laughs> bunged-up Joes. Yeah. Yeah, you never send me any Joes. <laughs> no, man, it's not that I don't. It's just that I, it's very seldom I get the opportunity to be in the position to do so. But, you know, I, I, you know I got your back, bro. All the good um, sellers are down here. <laughs> uh, yeah, you guys got all the good sellers down there. And every time I find Joes up here, it's stuff I know Stephen has. So it's like, mm-mm. Um, Anyway, so it's cool to have this CC, and uh, I think I've got the, this one is from the first printing of it. I've got the older variant as opposed to the newer variant, which is nice, so it's even more vintage, if that's, that makes unusual. any sense. We always get the offcuts. Hell, yeah. <laughs> Europe gets the offcuts of the United States, and South Africa gets the offcuts of Europe releases. So this so must have been is... 
bit warmer, so that's <laughs> what I'm saying. Actually, if memory serves, I think Battle Armor CC was a peg warmer. <laughs> oh man. Which is weird. It's it's always weird, like what kids, you know, what what we as kids liked or didn't like. I just once you know? again got to come back to like, do the accessories suggest interesting play? Yeah. And does the does the card art suggest it? Like, I think CC just has him with a gun and pointing. Yeah, it's a bit boring. Yeah, but I mean, most CC artwork is that, except for that awesome jumping back and shooting CC <laughs> from our card <laughs> art panel. Um, <laughs> but I, I want to throw out a question to you guys, uh, seeing as you guys have some experience with this toy. Which do you think is the correct way to wear his backpack? I think it's pointy side down because it seems to fit the contour of his body better. Um, although I've also see, I see many people posing it the other way around. So what does what does the rest of GI Joe books think? I think well, well, the way I would pose it is with like the arrows side down. Yeah. So, I mean, it doesn't exactly match the contours, but it kind of feels like what a backpack would be. Yeah, that's the, that's... the wider end would be at the top. At least yeah, that's, that's kind of the way my... that I understand backpacks. Yeah, mine too. That's also how I feel. You know, then the it's way. unanimous. Who are these weird people who point it, you know, pointy side up? And <laughs> what is the function of that? Like, does it not, does the vintage not have a, as is the case with most backpacks, a kind of a contour on the back of the, the, the pack? You know, it sort kind of, of does, but I don't the character's think. Back? It sort of does, but I am too scared to want to push this thing all the way in. Um, yeah, and always. I but gotta, I mean, you can see that it follows the shape of the, the figure's back, can't you? But, but admittedly, if I look at it, it does seem that the pointy top, uh, the pointy side is meant to be up because of the backpack contour. You know, like wow, the way that it's designed. Wow. I know it's shocking, but um, yeah. Cause what is the I function see... of that backpack? What do you reckon? Power. I source. think it's. I think it's a power source. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. my thinking. It's a battery. It's a power source and an air source. I think. Um, you know, it's just it's it's it's. Yeah, because his suit is a closed system. I mean, it's completely yeah. protected against everything. I mean, he isn't Tony Stark. You know what I mean? So yeah. like, yeah. So mm-hmm. it's just it's enough. Uh, that's that's how I think. But the reason I I brought this question to light is because the main person I've seen uh, and a go-to source for me often when I look up um, how to dress my figures. I mean, like if I really if I am really like perplexed, like Charbroil's backpack. I mean, which way does that go? I mean, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the hose <laughs> section should be off to the 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 the, the right. Yeah, that, that makes right. the most sense. Yeah, as opposed to trying to sling it underneath him. Uh, but like, I went to 3D Joe's, and it seems like 3D Joe's decided that pointy side up was the correct way to display Battle Armor Cover Commander's backpack. Wow, controversial. Mm. Controversial. <laughs> I know, right? But uh, I, but while I'm talking about 3D Joe's, I saw something very cool when I was looking up uh, stuff on 3D Joe's. Uh, Carson, you lovable, amazing human being, thank you so much for doing this. But, and I don't know how long they've had this up for, but you can buy digital ebook versions of all of those Art of G.I. Joe books that they do. So for like somebody like myself who can't quite shell out $30 right now for a book or 15, I think it's $15, for, between 15 and $30 for the books right now, I can buy the ebook for $9. And thankfully I have quite a nice iPad that I can view it on, view the art on, and, and always have the art with me. Uh, which is really cool. So that's something I'm definitely going to be uh, investing in over the next few months because that is so cool. So if, to our dear listeners, 
if you're a guy who like loves this stuff, but maybe you don't have the space or or whatever, you know, or maybe you just move around a lot or you just don't like books, but you want them on your device. Well, 3D Joe's now has all of that stuff available to you. Um, That is really cool. Because I'm not going to lie, I was tempted to spend that 200. I think they were offering all five of the books in a collection. I think it was $210 at JoeCon. And the only, yeah. yeah, and the only thing that stopped me from buying it was like, wow, if I put this in my luggage, they're going to stop me. <laughs> it's like, it's just so heavy, you know. Uh, <laughs> it's one thing getting an MCC through customs, but it's another thing like with the weight of that book. I mean, that book was heavy. That set is quite heavy. I think it's about easy 15 kilograms. <laughs> so Yeah, no, yeah. it was quite big, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so a missed opportunity is now something, an opportunity that's at hand. It's within my grasp. <laughs> Speaking of conventions, it's something that I am kicking myself for not having done sooner, because, like, what the hell, Stephen? I mean, this is this is exactly what you were doing this time last year. But a fellow Joe Bro and YouTube content creator, Byron, who runs Joe Motion Videos, is looking to get to Joe Fest. He's got a GoFundMe, and the link will be in this uh, this podcast's show notes or Whatever. Scroll down, whatever device you're using, and it'll be in the, the link comments. To his, <laughs> the, the link to his uh, GoFundMe will be there. If you do have some loose change, uh, going to a convention for a GI Joe fan, and particularly one who's in a position to create content thereafter, is really like a gift that keeps on giving. It has certainly given GI Joeberg newfound vigor for mm. and, and inspiration for this hobby, and an idea of what the G.I. Joe community is like, the people that we deal with and, and chat to on message boards and comment threads, we can now put faces to some of those names. And it is such an impactful turning point for anyone's uh, content. Let's try and get Byron to, to Joe Fest. It is, yeah, it's a life changer. And I think not only is, does he deserve it, uh, because he has had some, some rather difficult hardships that he's met very yeah, bravely. Yeah, challenges. In, yeah. Exactly, in very recent memory. But he's just a wonderful guy. He's a very generous guy. He's always very quick to comment on our videos and always very encouraging. I believe he's hooked up HCC with toys in the past, which is a big thing for a fellow collector and content creator. It's like, do I really have stuff to share? I mean, <laughs> I need this stuff. I'm making videos about it. But he has helped HCC in the past. And that's that that really means a lot to me, I think. And he's a great guy. Really, really warm dude. Love love you, Brian. Yeah, I think definitely if anyone can help out, um, that'd be absolutely amazing. And you'll get to hang out with Pujo, which I think is quite cool. And everyone else who goes to Joe Fest this year. So, yeah. Do it, guys. Help him. Yes, sir. And the voice of Storm Shadow will be there at Joe Fest. <laughs> Yeah, man. Hanging out with Mr. Harmon, no less. Oh. Very, very cool. Very exciting. Yeah, they're friends or something. Yeah. I, I, I didn't get anything new, um, but but we're going through a process of um, of my, me getting old stuff back. Um, Stephen is, is kind of rearranging um, how our collection is kind of taking up space, um, wherever you can fit it. And we, he's kind of realized, okay, there's a lot of stuff that... Uh, we're probably not going to film, or that you know we're not going to be featuring in, in videos that we make. Um, 
So, and that's a lot of like non-GI Joe stuff. So Stephen's kind of given that back to me. Um, some of my stuff, some of the stuff that he doesn't want to, you know, exactly just throw away and part with. Um, so there's lots of non-GI Joe kind of like McFarlane toys things. Um, as well as an- other kind of things we were into at the time, like anime character figures. Um, but obviously, you know, they're the wrong scale. But I'm finally going to have essentially most of my collection back in my hands, um, except for the, the proper vintage stuff, you know, that we'll, we'll keep using. Um, so anything that isn't going to be featured is, is going to be back in my possession after probably generally over t- 20 plus years. Wow. <laughs> because, because the thing is, like, my idea, my, my, my reasoning always was that, you know, I, I would never really play with these things on my own and, it was so much easier just to keep it, you know, with Stephen, keep it, keep our collection all together in the same place. So I always, I was always getting around with public transport, and me kind of like, you know, bringing a giant suitcase of toys every single time I go and visit him was just, it, it didn't feel feasible at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think as we grow older and we kind of, you know, go through into, I suppose, a new phase of, a new decade of our lives, you know, I mean, there's so much stuff changing. Um, it, it's it's kind of cool to actually finally have my toys. Um, it's like rediscovering the the joy of collecting and and actually having the toys. Okay, they're not all with me yet. Um, probably by the end of this week, I think I'll have all of my stuff, or at least all the stuff that Stephen uh, deems unfit. We're not getting divorced, guys. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't the breakup of the band. <laughs> no, not at all. I I totally understand. You know, like there are reasons for this, and I I appreciate it. Um, I think you kind of forget how cool toys are until you kind of have them back in your hands again. And because of because of everything, you know, life moves on. Um, we don't get to kind of hang out as much as we used to, but we still do G.I. Joeberg, which is fantastic, but it's nice to have have my stuff again. And uh, I'm very excited to kind of rearrange my room. And it's, yeah, it's prompted me to kind of, like, make changes, which I think is really, really awesome. Speaking of... Changes... Well, speaking of uh, your Joes, my Joes, I realized you had a birthday not too long ago, Robbie. Yes, I did. You're right. You did. Um, you totally did. Well, what do you mean not too long ago? That was like February, but I ago. I wasn't <laughs> I wasn't in town to celebrate it with you. And you weren't, but, but I think we need to remedy that right now. What? Of the stuff on this table, take your pick. Uh, what do you want? What? No. Pick a figure or a vehicle. Can't do that. I'll have to have it. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. No. Uh, hilariously, yeah, Rob's Havoc is on the table currently. It's hiding behind the laptop uh, because we're going to shoot with it. Ooh, Ooh exciting. Surprises, guys. No, but seriously, Robbie, what uh, what speaks to you, I man? can't. I can't do that. Aw. Like, I, 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 can't, I can't break up the renegades. I don't you want absolutely to not can. have the... You can't not have this very important figure. CGI. CGI. Paul, Paul would hate you for not having it. <laughs> you can't break up your Serpentor grouping. Oh, wow. I insist. This is, in, this is insanity. And I don't mind breaking up the you're, Renegades. You're at, least, at least I know where to find said Renegade if we need to shoot with them. <laughs> and they'll be your Renegade. So who's it going to be, man? Oh, Just wow. Just Taurus goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> I can't take Taurus. I'll take... Oh wow! Can you absolutely can? This is this is killing me. You're Are destroying you me. Are you gonna take? I don't know. I don't know. Find out on the next episode of GI Joe. Oh Cheers, man! Guys. 
I wanted to do it live, and the thought occurred to me like that'd be, be kind of fun to do it live. I mean, a new a new toy section, and someone just got a new toy in the new toy section. I would like I'll, I'll complete my Mercy collection. How about that? There we go. Oh, wonderful! I have another mer- happy uh, birthday, I have Rob. Thank you. Oh, you got yeah, both Mercers now. Oh, yeah, chose wisely. I chose wisely. Yeah, chose I mean, wisely. ironically, like Red Dog, I don't have his actual backpack. Oh. I just gave him a, a reuse Hawk no. backpack. So this is a complete one. So it's, it's it kind of like I actually have it, you know. I finally have it. It's not incomplete, as Paul says. And well, thank you. I appreciate this. You're welcome, my man. Hey. <laughs> and that's so I, I suppose that's the joy of GI Joe, man. Like these are 30-year-old plus toys, but they still can give us the joy of a new plaything. <laughs> Think about how cool that is. It's like, incredible. This is a toy that's probably seen more than two 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 people's hands. Yeah. Ooh. And yet I should wash him before I stop playing with him. Well, he's seen, <laughs> he's pretty clean. I mean, whoever had him before we had him hardly played with him. I mean, there's one elbow crack, but that's just age. Yeah. I don't think that's play wear. I would agree with that. He's very fresh and limpy. Mm. He has a giant gun. <laughs> we know you like your giant. Yeah, I love pistols. me some big guns. Boom boom. Him and Scoop, they're like the silencer brigade. Exactly. So this is the guy who's going to work with Scoop now. Even Big Bad Cobra needs air conditioning. <laughs> hey, quick, Scoop, get my angles. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to pop this nano in this bugger's head. Quickly, just get on the left, it's my good side. Okay, okay, you ready? <laughs> Take that, Cobra scum. How to look, how to look. <laughs> Sorry. It's like British, <laughs> Kiwi, and South African all in once. Paul, you got skill, boy. He has skills. Yes, like you, you could come from anywhere. And I have to tell you something, guys. One of the reasons, one of the factors that delayed the release of Blood in the Water Part 3, or the conclusion, was the fact that I was extremely self-conscious about tendering a Aussie accent. Reason being, I have been spending more and more time in Australia. My wife lives there. And she shreds me mercilessly, <laughs> time after time after time. I'm sitting trying to get this accent right, trying to trying to sound convincing, and she's like, <laughs> "Okay, not quite a cackle, but like you know, in her very She'll let you finish, but... coquettish, girly way, like laughing, laughing in my face. She finds it hilarious, and as a result, <laughs> I kept doing takes, and eventually, I worked myself into such a tiz that I was like, "No, to hell with this." I'm literally going to use the first take that I'm that I recorded, because I have gone back over it so many times. I, I've actually lost the essence of what I was going for in the first place. I even tried pitch shifting it down a few microtones just to kind of make it a bit deeper, maybe mask my amateurish dialect work, but it just sounded well, horrible. I think I mean I appreciate her, you know, kind of like her candor, real, realism. Yeah, her candor. I mean, like she's she's helping you. She's helping all of us improve in a way, you know. Um, but at the same time, I'm, I'm glad you kind of eventually realized, okay, I, I need to be able to get this out. It doesn't have to be exactly perfect. So I promise you, like, the two accents I did in that episode, I listened to, like, one video each of, like, someone else speaking the, 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 the kind of, like, the appropriate, uh, well, no, not in Blood in the Water, but in Blazing Sand Part 4. Um, I did those very quickly. I was like, I just want to get this as, it has to sound slightly different, but I didn't want it, you know, to kind of, like, the accent take over what I'm yeah. trying to say. Um, 
But yeah, I thank you, Kimmy. I appreciate your uh, <laughs> your your attempts to get Stephen to be accurate. He appreciates <sighs> accuracy definitely, um, and he tried his best, but. Maybe next time. Maybe a couple <laughs> well, of years in Aussie land will we'll fix this. Uh, we, we had a few, uh, well, one commentator in particular who approved my Australian accent being an Aussie himself, but I'm pretty sure he was just being generous. <laughs> also, <laughs> I'm sure not people. all Australians sound the same. That's Look, I mean, thing. Major Blood does hail from Sydney, Australia, and that's Sydney with an I, wherever the hell that is. It's one of the more famous typos on the, on the file cards, but like, then again, even real world Sydney is like, it's like the dark side of the moon, man. That place is weird. Wow. Wow. I didn't know that. Totally. No, neither did I. Um, what is a Sydney <laughs> accent? You know, it all comes down to that old adage. It's like, well, not old adage, but just to the adage of, you know, finished, not perfect. You know, sometimes that is more important, like just getting it down. Um, and you I'm know, going to thank Troy Smith for lighting the fire when he released his prologue. Mm. That prompted me to get it done. Mm. You know, let's let's have these releases one week apart. Let's finish this, this story that we started, that he started, actually, <laughs> in the actual fact. Yeah. It's so cool. Yeah. Like... Uh, hearing Rob um, just tell his story about trying to get the accent right for his uh, performance on Blazing Sand, it, it it sort of reminds me of well, it reminds me of when I was doing Mindbender because, like Mindbender himself, for me is kind of it's a very comfortable accent, so I can worry more about like quote unquote acting, okay, <laughs> quote unquote acting. In other words, I can think of the character more than what he's sounding like, and then. You know, and then like you know, Steve is quite generous with um, advice with things like that. So, you know, that character giving you notes, dude. <laughs> yes. I don't know if that's generous. More, more like just I need it like this, Paul. Do it like this. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm you know I'm just being modest, you know, on your behalf. I don't want to make you sound like some kind of you know I don't want to make you sound like Michael Bay or something here. You know what I mean? Uh, no, or like James Cameron here. You know what I mean? I'm just, I'm just trying to keep it. Bro, those know, are A-list filmmakers. Oh, there we go. Say what you want about their work. You, you, you liken me to them. I'm smiling all the way to the imaginary bank. Well, <laughs> I mean, James Cameron, for example, is, I mean, as much as I love his work and as much as I think he is an an amazing director, apparently he's quite a nightmare to work with because he's he's exceptionally pedantic and he has a specific way of doing things that. It just does tend to jostle people, um, even to the point where I think on the production of Aliens, people were wearing um, shirts uh, in protest of him, you know. Um, so, you know, on, on the, in, the, in the British crew. So, I mean, you know, the, you hear these stories. Pain is these... temporary. Mm. Glory yeah. lives forever. Well, there you go, right? But now the and thing is... the brilliance of Aliens will live forever. Absolutely. Oh, definitely. It's worth the effort. The same definitely. like with other directors um, and, and the things that they put their crew and their, their actors through. Well, it's Kubrick about the product and the end. Kubrick, mm. absolutely. Um, mm. the, the kind of stuff he did. And also, I mean, other, other directors and other uh, performances and productions like um, uh, The Exorcist. I mean, I, I, apparently that was, that was a bit of a nightmare to work on as well. Yeah. Um, but it... It works. It works in the end. And speaking of ends... Wait, I, I still want to get to my story with Mindbender. I haven't even hit oh, the... Oh, the... you haven't finished the story <laughs> yet. Oh, yes. So what I want... Like, so there All was right. a... a uh, like, so I watched the, the rough cut with the laughs in and stuff that I'd done, and I wasn't feeling it, so I sort of brought it up with Steve, and he's like, no, you know, give it a bit more, you know, 
just give it a bit more petrol you know what i mean like you know you know just do something just do something to it you know like uh, and then he, he gave me some notes so anyway i went onto youtube and i literally watched a, a 15 minute long video of disney laughs like <laughs> of, of disney maniacal disney laughs and i sat there and i would pause the one and rewind and pause it and then i try to rehearse it and get it right and eventually, yeah, it just sort of clicked in me and then and it came out. And it's sad to say this, but the best version of that laugh didn't even get onto the episode. Uh, the best version of that laugh got, to, in my opinion, was in a voice note to Stephen. Basically me being excited that I'd finally nailed it. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I love it because, like, if I play that video, like, when I mean, I often show my mom this video and I show friends of mine the video. And they all like crack laugh, crack out whenever they hear him laugh because they're like, it's such a like, it's so full of gusto and whatever. And it, like, it's, it's a really rewarding thing. So I understand where you're coming from with the accent thing, Steve, because I am extremely self-conscious about any accent or anything I make. I mean, I know, I know that I, I'm quite liberal with them here on the show, but that's also because, you know, I'm sort of safe in the fact that people are like, oh, it's Paul with a shit accent again, you know, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like when we're doing it for reels, you know, like for for the for the webisodes, yeah, the, there is that kind of, you know, we, we're going to entertain. Stephen King talks about it. I mean, he thinks about entertaining his audience first before he he thinks about writing some intelligent book. He wants to always find a way to keep an audience entertained because they've got to spend thirty dollars on a book. For us, we want to keep people entertained because, well, it's more fun if you're entertaining people with the stuff. I mean, you know, if we're enjoying it, you're gonna enjoy it and. You know, we got to make sure that we that we're doing the best we can because, like Steve said, it lasts forever. The product is gonna last forever, and the the kind of buzzword around us is that, in a weird way, this is kind of our legacy. You know, so yeah, so I'm glad that to hear that you went and did that research, Robin, that you try to push that through. And Steve, don't feel self-conscious about your Australian accent; it's pretty cool, actually. And um, yeah. yeah, you know, blood spent time in Africa, he spent time in the French Absolutely. Foreign Legion. Stephen managed to uh, I synthesized all that and created a unique <laughs> accent and dialectual approach, which is perfectly valid for my reading of Magic <laughs> <laughs> And it probably doesn't even come from Australia anyway. I mean, he, he, he misspelled Sydney on his, his, his you know, file card. <laughs> Curious for a guy who's into poetry to have such shoddy spelling, but whatever. He's about the rhymes, not the and with that, I think we can finally <laughs> bid our listeners adieu. <laughs> Just a reminder, guys, if you do have a little bit of change uh, lying spare, every little bit helps, consider sending it over to our man Byron. As I say, he's a very, very good friend of the community and an invaluable member of it. To be Brings a lot of passion and a lot of support to everyone else's channels and to his own work. Yeah, do it if you can. That would be amazing. Um, I'm looking forward to what his videos he puts out. Mm-hmm. I, hope, I hope it happens. I, I just want other people to have the same experience we did. So, yeah, do it. Do Game it now. Changer. Do it. Yeah, find us find us wherever you find us, guys. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, uh, Discord, if you feel like speaking frog. <laughs> yeah. Yep, you can find me on Facebook, uh, you can find Paul on Facebook, you can find Rob on Discord, you can find Cujo on Twitter. We'll be coming thick and fast with... Paul uh, Instagram. Yes, indeedy. 
And yeah, if you if you hit the comments thread on YouTube, you're most likely gonna get me. Oh, every once in every while, Paul decides to you know grace those comments with his presence. Yeah, and if, if you're really lucky, you'll get Rob to respond. If I see Steve hasn't like responded to somebody like in like 20 minutes or something, I jump in. But that's very seldom because Steve is like on, three o'clock <laughs> in the morning. He like if he wakes up and he goes to the toilet, he checks them notifications and he replies. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's like an instant dopamine hit. Yeah, man. Anyone? Are very nice to us. Exactly. I, I am very generous and very kind, and that keeps us going. And I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Yo, cool. Joe, dudes. Yo, Joe Berg. Berg. Yeah. Berg. Berg. Berg.